It's a great day to live for Jesus. This is the In the Word podcast with Pastor Mike Grover, a chapter-by-chapter devotional journey through the New Testament where we will browse the background, discover the doctrine, and practice the principles of God's Word for us today. Today in the Word, we're in John chapter number 13. And in John chapter 13, just a little bit of background, it's the last Passover meal that will be celebrated formally because on this occasion, Jesus changes it to the Lord's Supper. And historically, this took place the night before Christ's crucifixion. And so I know we are past that day and we are uh, past Easter Sunday, but let me remind you, man, every day and every Sunday is about the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So let's hope that talking about Jesus' suffering, his death, his resurrection, never gets old and never becomes commonplace for us because it's the heartbeat of everything we are and what we believe as Christians. So it's the night before his crucifixion and he's gathered in an upper room with his disciples in Jerusalem. And in that upper room, there's a lot going on, but one of the things here in John 13, that's the focus early on, Jesus models an incredible act of humility by washing the disciples' feet. This is a task that would have been reserved really for um, a Gentile servant, not even typically a Jewish servant, because it was considered so humble and, and so demeaning to take a basin of water and a towel and to put people's dirty feet in it who have been walking the dusty roads of of Israel and coming in there with their open sandals. But Jesus did it. The disciples we learn over in Luke were bickering about who was going to be the greatest in the kingdom. And it's almost in the midst of this argument over who's going to be greatest. Man, Jesus, the greatest of all, gets down on his knees and begins to wash their feet. Don't you think that silenced the room a little bit? And Jesus goes on them and he says, you know, if I'm your Lord and your master and and I've done this, then you ought to do it as well. And then he takes them that great verse of John chapter 13, verse 17, where he says, um, if you know these things, happy are you if you do them. So he wasn't just modeling the act of serving. He was modeling for them the joy and the happiness that should come out of serving others because we should be most joy-filled when we're behaving most like Jesus Christ, right? Washing their feet. Now, he gets done doing this, he washes their feet, and then we come over to verse number 18, and he he begins kind of changing the conversation toward the fact that one of them would betray him. And in verse 18, he said, I speak not about all of you. I know whom I have chosen, but that the scripture may be fulfilled. He that eats bread with me has lifted up his heel against Now that phrase, lifting up the heel, he's actually quoting Psalm 41. And that, he said, my own familiar friend in whom I ate bread lifted up the heel against me. Lifting up the heel is the idea of lifting up your foot and kicking at someone and rejecting them and, and, and being in disdain against. So Jesus described the betrayal as someone lifting up their heel against him. Verse 19, He said, now I tell you before it come that when it is come to pass, you may believe that I am he. Verily, verily, I say to you, he that receives whoever I send receives me. And he that receives me receives him that sent me. Great encouragement in that verse. Jesus says, "Um, if you receive the person I've sent to you, then you're receiving me. And if you receive me, you've received my father. 
So think about that. When we're sharing Christ and someone's open to our message, man, he said, if they receive you, they're receiving me. If they receive me, they're receiving the Father. And I just love the authority and the encouragement that Jesus gives us behind um, sharing his word with others and uh, sharing spiritual conversations that lead to the gospel. When Jesus had thus said, he was troubled in spirit. And he testified and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you that one of you will betray me. Man, the humanity of Christ mixed in his deity. Jesus was troubled. Jesus was not emotionless about being betrayed. He was not emotionless about going to the cross and becoming sin and that rejection. Sure, it was a plan of God. It was an act. It was something Jesus chose to do willingly. But don't ever think for a minute that Jesus did this without being troubled. And, and I read a great comment by one commentator, and he said this, the things that trouble Jesus ought to trouble us as well. And that's exactly what took place here because it says that, that he was troubled in his spirit. And he said to the disciples sitting there, one of you is going to betray me. And I love their response in verse 22. It says the disciples looked one on another doubting of whom he spoke. So here is Jesus. He's letting them know that he's going to be betrayed into the hands of sinful men. He's going to be crucified. But in this moment, he lets them know, it's one of you that are going to betray me. Now, these are his closest associates. These are people that Jesus has been serving together with for several years. These are those who have went on mission with him and had worshiped with him. These are people that had prayed with him and had fasted with him, that had witnessed his miracles. These are people that have been close to Jesus. Man, these are the inner circle. These are, think of it as people that we've served with um, in our churches, people we've done ministry together with, people that we have shared heartache with and experiences and we've served our joy with. And then you look around at that group of people that are very close to you, realizing that that one of them is going to reject you one of them is going to betray you that's what jesus was feeling here and i do use the word feeling we don't always like to attach the word feeling somehow we see there's some evil and emotion but jesus felt um bible tells us the holy spirit gets grieved bible tells us that god feels you know anger and joy and happiness and singing but here it talks about how jesus was troubled and so there in Verse 18, he says, one of you is going to lift up the heel against me, quoting Psalm 41, 9. And here's a thought for you. Before Jesus, I mean, before Judas lifted up the heel against Jesus to betray him, man, Jesus took that same heel and he washed it in love. And think about that. That phrase, you're going to lift up your heel against me, is said in the context of that very heel having just been washed by Jesus. So Jesus knowing he's going to be rejected, Jesus knowing who is going to reject him, how does he respond toward Judas? Is it hatefulness? Is it disdain? Is it, you know, hate, uh, trash talking? No, what does he do? He takes a basin of water. He took Judas's foot, the same one with the heel that he would symbolically lift against Christ, and Jesus washed that foot in love. And so here he's saying to the disciples, one of you right here with me that's close to me, you're going to lift up your heel against me. I know if I was sitting there and I heard that and my feet were sitting there, my bare feet on the floor, can't you imagine that moment they all looked down at their feet, at their heels, and just kind of hearing that word? I, I just would have looked down and I would have looked at my heel 
Now, John says that they were confused about who he was speaking of. But here's what struck me in the passage. It's how they responded when Jesus told them this. Verse 22 says, um, really, that they looked around at each other, unsure about who he was talking about. But over in Matthew chapter 26 and verse 22, in Matthew's account of this, it says that they asked him, Lord, is it I? So here you got his disciples not really thinking, man, there's no way I would ever do that. They're not responding with kind of haughtiness or pride at the thought because Matthew and Mark tell us that as they were looking around, they were also asking the question, is it I? So think about this. None of those disciples thought that they were above betraying Jesus. Man, every one of them considered their own frailty. Every one of them considered the fact that they were capable of failing Jesus. So one of you is going to betray me, my closest associates, but what's the response? Is it going to be me, Lord? Am I the one that's going to do it? You know what that tells me? That tells me that they all had really, really good theology. You know, when people say, I can't believe what someone did, or I can't believe they did this, I always think, If you can't believe it, you have really bad theology. Because the Bible teaches us what? We all have sinned. We all come short of the glory of God. Man, our hearts are desperately wicked. Who can know it? The reality is any one of us are capable of failing Christ. And these disciples that were in this upper room with him, eating the Passover, man, invited guests to this intimate occasion. None of them thought that they were above failing Jesus Christ. So the application for us, I believe, is this. It seems a good thing that we live with that same humility that knows that it's it's only by the grace of God that we stay true to Jesus and serve him. And we ought to live with that same humility every day that, you know, we're reminded each morning it's only by the grace of God that we serve Jesus. It's only by the grace of God that, that we stay true to Jesus. And it's that humility, I believe, that recognizes our own potential in failing Christ, man, that gives us the strength not to fail Christ. Why is that? Because God resists the proud, but who does he give grace to? The Bible tells us he gives grace to the humble. So think about it. We are strongest when we most recognize our weakness. When I get to that place of thinking I am orthodox and I am right and I can never be wrong, that's when we are most poised to fail Christ. But when I get up each day and say, Lord, help me not to fail you, help me to live for you, with a realization of our total capability of failing him at any time, man, that's when God can most strengthen us. So the word for today is this. Guard your heart from the spirit of pride that says, not me, and instead pray and say, Jesus, don't let it be me today. You see, because it's in that humility that we can most gather the strength that we need to serve. Thank you for listening today to In the Word. Join us every Tuesday and Friday for new episodes as we continue our devotional journey through the New Testament.